it's just so hard. Everything is just a mess right now and everyone is on edge. And still I'm finding that my clients are just the nicest people who just want a little bit of compassion and a little bit of understanding and they're fine. So so hopefully we'll, uh, we'll come out of all of this better vet teams and, and better clients. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the Whisker Cloud marketing podcast. I am Adam Greenbaum, founder and CEO of Whisker Cloud. Today, I have my good friend, Cherie Busson. Now, good friend, a lot of How sports- How do you pronounce your name? Well, yeah, I, a, I knew I was going to mess that up. But more importantly, I'm a Dodgers fan. You're in the Tampa Bay area. And tonight, the World Series kicks off. And probably by the time people hear this, there will already be a champion. Um, but in this universe right now, where we're recording, we're like frenemies. Yes, yes, yes. Go raise. And yeah, I'm hoping that uh, whatever happens, it won't make you do horrible things to this recording and, uh, and make me sound bad in front of everybody. <laughs> well, it's, it's great because we, um, we got this company that can just basically dub in using like AI deep fakes. So I could just get you to say go Dodgers at the end of the call like it's nothing. I would be super, super unhappy with you. So so I wouldn't do that if I were you. That that sounds like a bad plan. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. And I bring you up, you don't know this, I bring you up a lot to friends and family. Oh, really? I do. And I bring you up because when I tell people, you know, I'm from the tech world. And when I tell people, they're like, hey, man, I heard you started this company. It's going, well, what the hell is Whiskercloud? I'm like, oh, well, we do a thousand things for veterinary businesses. And it's funny, a lot of people don't even realize that there's hundreds of thousands of veterinary businesses that don't have a full-on hospital that provide incredible services, which I think always blows their mind. But I always talk about the compassion I have for like clients and customers of Whisker Cloud, which is funny because I, you know, I'm in all the Facebook groups. I see the like, I see the posts about like, oh, we dealt with this person today and we dealt with that person today and this was rough and look at these reviews we got and we deal with same tough people. But I, whether I'm talking to friends and family about it or I'm talking to, you know, new employees who are starting here and really getting used to the veterinary space, one of the big things I bring up, I bring you up every time because I say, you know, think about the worst day of your life. It's, you know, the day you had to put your dog down that's been in your family for 10, 12 years. And, you know, and I think to the outside world and me before I started Whisker Cloud, that is the worst part of your life. And then you meet people like you and people like Tyler from IHPC. And all of a sudden you're like, no, there's like this group of people that they're like firefighters. They run into the fire. <laughs> Thing that is the worst possible thing that could ever happen in your life. And they bring the water hose of calm and they do that multiple times a day. I can't even fathom it, to be honest. The water hose of calm. I'm going to have to tell my husband that's what I do. He's going to laugh so hard. I am a water hose of calm. Actually, you make it sound way cooler than it is. I mean, mostly I'm just a, a, a nerdy person, but I do love this particular field. And I never would have thought that this would be my calling. Like if you had asked me in vet school, do you think you'll go to people's houses and put their pets down all day, every day? I, I, I would have said, you're crazy. Why would anyone want to do that? But 
you know, I stumbled into this, thank goodness, and found my place. I mean, I knew that this was what I was meant to do the minute that I attended a home euthanasia with another veterinarian. And, and I said, oh, okay, now I found my place. And and thank goodness it happened. Uh, I wish it hadn't waited eight years into my career to happen, but, or not eight, uh, actually it was 11 years into my career, but whatever amount of time it took, it was well worth it. And, um, and now, you know, especially with COVID helping hands is just, we've tripled our business and I'm frantically hiring people and trying to catch up. And I can't believe I'm saying that eight months into it, but it changes every single day with this pandemic. And uh, we're just, we, we were trying to just keep our heads above water. Now we're just trying to keep from completely exhausting ourselves. So it's been quite an adventure. So you're telling me there's an option as a business owner where we don't have to just completely exhaust ourselves every day? Yes. And do I do it all the time? Absolutely not. I've been continuously exhausted for most of my career, um, but now I'm happy and exhausted, as happy as one can be in the middle of a, a pandemic and all of the things that go with it. But yes, and you know, it's it's funny. I like I'm watching my business grow and I'm so excited about it. And at the same time, like I keep putting the brakes on and I'm like, we we don't have to see everything. We don't have to work until we can't work anymore. Like we need to, we need to parse this out because we're all, you know, dealing with things other than, than our job. And um, that's making doing our job even more difficult. And the last thing I want to do is to give my customers a bad experience because I'm so exhausted that I just can't, I can't have the compassion that I need. Um, I actually stopped doing hospice care for quite a while. And during the beginning of the pandemic, partially because of COVID and, and fears of COVID, but also because just that I couldn't provide that level of service with everything that was going on. I couldn't take the constant requests for, you know, prescription refills and and I'm seeing this symptom, what should I do about it? And so I just kind of, you know, I had, I had hospice patients who passed away and I just didn't take on new ones. Um, so I got down to where I had like four, <laughs> four hospice clients and that was, that was it. And now we're, we're just slowly starting to get back into, into taking on new clients. But again, we're limiting that as well. I've got quite a few limits on, on things that I'm doing just because I know myself and I'll end up sick in bed, whether it's from, from COVID or from stressing myself out. So, or from a bad back, cause I'm lifting too much. So we're, we're trying to, trying to keep it reasonable, which isn't always easy. Well, you would, so you had told a story a minute ago about how, you know, how you found your calling was you went to a home euthanasia. Now on this show, everyone knows I love the Hulk. And I always want to ask everyone, what's your your superhero origin story? You know, the Spider-Man was bitten by the radioactive spider. You know, the gamma <laughs> bomb dropped on Dr. Bruce Banner. So for you, you were at this home euthanasia. And like to you, this sounds like this great day. If someone on Earth invited me and said, hey, you want to go to this person's house and put their dog down and watch their family's hearts break? I would say, I'm okay. <laughs> but like, this was like this amazing day for you. So I want to know like what happened when you were there that made you say, no, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Okay, boy, this is going to sound super, super crazy. So this was actually kind of a job interview. So I had had someone approach me and ask me to do some relief work for a home euthanasia business. And they said, you know, I'd like you to come on a call with me to see what we do. And I said, okay, that that sounds fine. And honestly, I didn't really, I wasn't too enthused about the job because like, it just, like you said, it doesn't sound like anything anyone would want to do. But, you know, I, I needed a job. I had just lost a, a client because they had hired a veterinarian at their clinic. So I wasn't doing relief for them anymore. And it was a, a three day a week job. So I was worried about finances and stuff. I had just opened my business the, the previous year. And uh, so I went with the owner of the practice to this house. And um, it was a 
a little cat and she lived in a house with a whole bunch of uh, seeing eye dog of failure is the wrong word, but dogs that didn't pass the and, and get placed with the family. And so their their people that trained them got to keep them. And so it was this little bitty cat and all these big doofy Labrador dogs running around. And I just got to be there and be an observer. So I just sat on the couch quietly and watched the other veterinarian do her thing. And I like, I, I cried through the entire thing. And I, I have an article on my website about how I don't cry, but I, I cry when I don't have anything to do. You know, when I, when I just sit there and have to feel the feelings. So I like, I like wept through this entire appointment and I was so embarrassed. And then the owner, after the cat passed, she was like, I have this poem. Would you read it? And she hands me the rainbow bridge poem. And I can't read that. I can't read the first two lines without crying on a good day. So then I'm like weeping and reading this poem. And I did it terribly. Like I was stumbling over words and sobbing. It was awful. And we left the house and I looked at at the other veterinarian. I said, I am so sorry about that. And she threw her arm around my shoulders and she said, you are going to be so good at this. <laughs> and so that was the, the inauspicious beginning of this career. And then my very first appointment, I remember it vividly, was on Mother's Day. It was another cat. And I forgot my stethoscope. And there was nowhere to get a stethoscope on Mother's Day. And of course, the clients were keeping the cat afterwards to bury her. And so I was just a frantic mess. And, you know, it didn't go as smoothly as I would like, but, you know, everything finally was done. And the owners showed me, they said, well, we're going to bury her. But you see that sink over there. We picked up a sink at a garage sale and she always loved to sleep in the sink. So we're going to curl her up and bury her in this sink. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like this little cat is getting like a Pharaoh's farewell. And, and I just thought, you know what, it, even though it didn't go smoothly, even though the cat was, was irritable with me, you know, we got it done. The people were very grateful that I was willing to come out on, you know, technically a holiday. And this kitty got to, to get buried in the backyard in a sink. And I was like, you know, this is a pretty neat job. I bet a lot of people don't get to see stuff like this. And it's just been that way. You know, when people invite you into their homes, it's a whole other world. And it's a little scary, especially now with, with COVID, but it's just the coolest thing to to see the way that people live and the way that they keep their pets and the princess corner that some of these little dogs have that they've got the bed and all their toys and everything's arranged and you know they they're practically sitting there with a crown on their head and you can just see how much these people really love and and adore their pets and and want to have good things for them and and they're so grateful you know i remember in private practice you know, we, we dealt with a lot of things, like you say, people being mad and, and having to deal with difficult clients. And I would say it's got to be like upper 90% of my clients are just the nicest people. And these are the same people. But when you're helping them with this and you're you're just there for them and you're opening yourself up and giving giving your compassion to them and there's no other things to worry about and you have all this time to be with them. Uh, it just it just changes the whole dynamic. And I mean, I left private practice because of client behavior. and I, I I stay doing this because of client behavior. and it's it's just a really interesting an interesting way that things worked out. That's interesting what you're saying about client behavior because that's something that's come up on a lot of the podcasts we've recorded recently. And you know, I was going to ask you about that. Like Covid's obviously, I mean, this country is for a billion reasons just on 
on uh, a different level of heightened tension recently. Yes. And uh, that was the nicest way I could possibly. That was lovely. I, I wasn't I sure where, how you were going to get that out and make it okay, but that, that was impressive. Bravo. I almost called it a water hose of chaos. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I was going to ask you, and, and, you know, it's funny. We have a lot of mobile vets and in-home vets that listen to this. You know, we obviously work closely with you and IAHPC team. And so what do you do when, Someone books an appointment with you. Has this happened? Someone books an appointment with you. You show up, you know, you've got your PPE stuff on and they're like, nah, we don't want, we don't like that. We don't want you to wear that. Just come on in and let's do this. And cause that happened. No, um, not to me. I did have one client. Thank goodness that we dealt with. We always, we clear a lot of stuff up ahead of time. And I think that's part of why I like this particular profession better than being in the clinic. So we don't have money concerns at the visit. We don't have mask concerns at the visit. I mean, there's there's little things, of course, but because we deal with all of that ahead of time. Every bit, you know, they like they know exactly what their bill is going to be before I ever come out. They know that we have a mask policy and here's what it is. If you don't want to wear a mask, you need to meet us outside. If you want us to come in your home, you need to be wearing a mask and so does everyone who's going to be in the room with us. And, you know, I have people that, you know, they wear the mask below their nose or, you know, they they don't wear it right or they're pulling it down to wipe their nose or blow their nose. I mean, you're asking people to wear a mask while sobbing and that's miserable. But, you know, we're doing the best we can and I'm double masked and I have eye protection on and I try to, to keep my distance as much as I can and just kind of go back and forth in to help the animal and then back away and then go back in. But most of it's been fine. I did have one person that when she she found out that I was going to wear a mask in her house and she told me absolutely not and I wasn't allowed to come and she canceled the appointment. And I was just like flabbergasted. But I was very grateful that that came up before I showed up at her house and then there was an argument over whether I could wear a mask to come in. And so that's really been it. Most everybody's been been great about it. I've had some people say, you know, if we go outside, that means we don't have to wear a mask, right? And I say, oh, absolutely. If you want to be without a mask, then we need to be outdoors in, you know, and not just like in the garage, but outdoors in the open air. And um, and it's it's worked out pretty well so far. And I know there's probably going to be people listening that are like, oh my God, you let people near you without a mask. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, everybody has to to take their level of precaution as, as best they can. In the beginning of this, uh, I didn't make clients wear a mask at all. And then as things ramped up in Florida, I was like, okay, I'm not going to anybody's at anybody's house while they're blowing snot all over me. Uh, it's we're going to have to to go back and, and to doing masks. So yeah, it's been fine. And like I said, we handle all that up front. There are no surprises. So you know, if they change the rules, then then you know I would have a problem with that. And and I think my standard response for things like that would be, you know, we don't have to do this today. I'll I'll go home if if you don't want me in your house in a mask. That's totally fine. You know, we can we can reschedule or you can you can find someone else who's who's willing to come over. I mean, there are vets that will come over and and not make you wear a mask. And that's cool. But everyone in my immediate family is high risk. And I am the youngest and the only employed among us. So uh, everyone else is retired. So I you know, I, I'm kind of important. I can't I can't be going out and catching bugs if I don't have to. <laughs> no, I agree with you. It's not you know, and I say to people a lot, I'm pretty serious about it. We recently had our first team meeting back at the office in a while. We sat outside in the courtyard that has great Wi-Fi. We all sat, I think it was eight feet apart. And I just told our team, 
I don't know your beliefs on this. I truly don't care. I know that there's people in my <laughs> life that we like to see often that this could affect. I think if I got it, I'd be fine, but I'm not going to put them at risk. So this is how we're going to do it. And if and you are not obligated to be here by any stretch of the imagination, and it went great. So yep, that, I'm glad to hear that. And like the one thing I really wanted to talk about with you today that I, you know, obviously we've launched this podcast so far. It's been going great. We've, we've gotten so much feedback. You know, you, you came on to Whisker Cloud pretty early on. And I remember when I first met you and, you know, you were getting a couple of emails a month, it felt like, and, you know, even <laughs> early on. And it's like, but I'm telling you, it's crazy. And it's funny whenever our team, whenever our sales team, our onboarding team meets someone who does in-home, I mean, we use you as an example. And we're like, this is someone who took the time to put together a massive digital form to gather this information. This is a person who had a clear uh, direction for the business, how it works, how it would be marketed, how it would be promoted, the look and feel. Because I think a lot of people, and I see this a lot, a lot of people come to us and they, they're like, yeah, you know, I hated working in the hospital. I'm just going to go, you know, and be mobile and go in home. And I think that's, I think for a lot of people, it sounds really easy. And then you're like, no, you're a business owner. Now you just went from, I was one of the associate vets. Now I'm the owner of the company and I have to be there. I have to make sure I understand how to collect payments. I have to make sure what to happen. You know, when someone freaks out and I'm in their house, someone cancels on me at the last second. So I just wanted to hear from you when you made this decision to sort of start your own business and and launch helping hands and go remote you know, even pre whisker cloud days, how did you get to that point? Was it tough to, to, you know, I know your, your husband also was a chiropractor. He, he ran the practice, right? I mean, he owned the practice. Oh yeah. 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 So, I mean, you guys, you guys, this is, you know, this is a family thing, but you know, was it scary? Cause you hear the same thing over and over. You've probably heard it 40 times on this podcast and all of these episodes so far. It's, you know, vets are not trained in business. So when you make this decision to go out on your own, was it scary? Was there a lot of, you know, was there a lot of bumps in the road? How'd it go early on? Well, actually I, I cheated a little bit. I started my, my practice was originally a relief practice. So I started my business in 2010 doing relief work for shelters and doing spay neuter for for spay neuter clinics and shelters. And then I did some relief work at cats only hospitals because that was my kind of my passion in, in regular practice was, was uh, working with cats. And so I had a couple of friends who owned cats only hospitals and I would go in and give them a day off or cover for them if they were gone for the week. So I had already been running a business, albeit a really super simple one. Cause I had like 10 clients and then I, you know, I was doing some public speaking. So I, I kind of wrapped that up in there. And then when I decided to to stop working with the other company that I had been working for that did home euthanasias. I had a, a non-compete that I had to honor. So I, I stopped doing the, the home euthanasias. And then I used that time to build helping hands. And I love business. I mean, I, I was the chief of staff at the, the cat hospital that I worked for before I moved on to the shelter. I really like business. I used to like managing people, not so much anymore because it's it is a huge headache. And I was doing it while being a vet full time, which kudos to anybody who does that and is still doing that because it was it was just way too much for me to to try to manage. So I, I kind of had an idea how things would go. And I just I like that. I like building things. Um, I, you know, I used to I can I, I know a little bit of like HTML. So when I was in college, I built a website just by learning HTML and and 
writing it myself. It was just a little personal website for myself. So I built my website, which I was in love with. It was very hard for me to hand that over to you guys, but I didn't know anything about SEO and I wasn't going to pay any more to have you know, to have uh, GoDaddy do it for me. And it was just getting more and more complicated and I was getting busier. Uh, and so I was like, all right, I have to take this big step. But I like doing all of that. And I spent, oh gosh, I was home a lot. You know, mo- I spent a lot of time just working from home, not getting paid, building this company and then doing relief work during the week. And then I, on the evenings and weekends, I would work on helping hands. So when my non-compete was up, like it was ready and it wasn't perfect, but it was it was good enough. And then I, you know, I opened my virtual doors and I was ready to go. And so that was, that was really cool. It was, it was a lot of fun building it. And I still enjoy tinkering with it. I, I'm getting to the point now that I'm ready to, to hire more veterinarians and, and take a step back uh, just because it's, this is a physically very hard job. And I, you know, have several injuries that make it hard for me to, to lift heavy dogs multiple times a day and that kind of stuff. So I'm looking to take a step back with that. And that way I can delve into reading all my my books on business and, and you know, start playing with it and and seeing how I can how I can make it grow. But, you know, it's grown so much this year. I mean, it had already started when I got you guys. Like you said, I, I would get maybe two people a month that found me online. And now it's like three or four people a week which doesn't sound like a lot, but for my practice, I mean, you know, in our area, that's a, that's a huge proportion of, of people that are suddenly not being referred by my clients, but are just finding me through online searches and other companies in the area have, have well established, you know, SEO and ad campaigns and things. So for me to be able to filter some of that off and, and build my business with it is, is pretty remarkable. So, yeah, so that was just kind of my, you know, my journey and my, my way of, of getting this done. And I truly do love all the aspects of, of this. If my back was, was better behaved, I would, I would be comfortable doing this forever, but uh, I know that's not my future. So I have, uh, we have two veterinarians now, myself and uh, Dr. Andrews. Uh, She works three days a week and I work four days a week. So we cover seven days a week when, uh, when both of us are healthy. And it's, I just can't believe we're at this spot and that it happened so quickly. I mean, we, we tripled, since like starting in March, things were getting really crazy. And then in, in April, it just exploded. And we have, we slowed down for two weeks when school started to double our normal. (laughs) And now we're right back to triple again. And I think this week is going to be our biggest week or wait, now that I work weekends, I don't know what week it is. Last week, I think was our biggest week for appointments. Um, We had the most appointments we've ever had in a week. So that was pretty cool. See, whenever this is something we talk about at Whisker Cloud, when someone who does like in-home euthanasia, things like that have record weeks, we're sort of celebrating and then we're like, wait, okay, this is uh, it's like a sad, I mean, it's, it's, it's great what you guys do, but I, I think about the families and all the heartache that happened. Absolutely. What we say is we helped a record number of families this week. And that, that to me, you know, those people without us would have had to probably drop their pet off somewhere. And that's not what they wanted to do. And so we were able to give them the best possible version of a terrible experience that we could. And so, yeah, people always say, how are you doing? And how's business? I'm like, you know, and you go, business is booming. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, I know you asked. <laughs> Stop asking. You know what I do for a living. <laughs> business is yeah, fine. Like, Thank you. <laughs> it's like being like the funeral home, you know, yes, yeah, yes. director. And it's like, oh, we just had a record month. And you're like, oh, congrats. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
it's, it's like it's being just, like an ER now. It's like, yeah. oh, we just had a record month. Oh, that's not good. No, I, exactly. And so, you know, I just try, like, luckily I'm, I'm an introvert and I, I don't go out and, and talk to people a whole lot, but I, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's gotten, I, in fact, just yesterday, our neighbor came over and I had put her dog to sleep a while ago. And she's like, I tell everybody about you. How are you holding up with all of this? And I said, oh, we are so busy. We don't know what to do with ourselves. And she's like, oh, that's so and then she just stopped and I said, I know <laughs> <laughs> it's so wonderful and awful all at the same time. We're a necessary evil. And I'm, I'm good with that. I, I understand. I tell people the angel of death is still an angel. <laughs> so, you know, we do the best we can with what we have to work with. You know, I think about it a lot. I grew up no pets. My mom raised me as a single mother, didn't like pets. And, uh, and now my wife and I have two dogs and a cat. There are kids. I mean, these dogs are my life. They're my best friends. I spend mo- every minute of every day with them. They're the reason there is a whisker cloud because it was all to honor them. I ran a dog <laughs> rescue where I worked with vets that made me fall in love. So everything in my life has been dedicated to these dogs. You know, Sophie's 10 now. Oh, wow. But I, when I was growing up, I had a cat named Boots and he lived to be about 15. And I think about it a lot. I was at work. And I had a girlfriend at the time who had stopped by my house to feed him uh, because I was doing work and school. And she called me and said, you know, he's laying here unresponsive with his head in his bowl. And I knew he was getting older, not feeling well. And he was sort of hiding in the closet. And I was young. I was 19, 20 in college. I went home. I, he was the only pet I really ever had. I, I did not know what to do. So I did what any 19 year old kid does. I picked him up, put him in his carrier, drove to Banfield And, you know, 30 minutes later, he's gone. They took the body. I I didn't really know what was going on. I was heartbroken. It it just hit out of nowhere. And there was no follow-up. There was no, hey, what type of aftercare do you want? And, you know, and there there he went 15 years with me. I mean, from Mm -hmm. young to that. And it's like, and and that's how his life ended. He had this beautiful, amazing life. I moved out of the house when I was 17. And he came with me and he was my roommate, my buddy. And, and that's how his life ended just on a cold, sterile room in a band field with no compassion. He wasn't at home where he loved. He wasn't on his favorite spot in the couch. I mean, this was a while back. I mean, this was more than 15, 16 years ago. Jeez. But the point is like, I think, I think about that day a lot and I, and I still have regrets about how that went down. Mm-hmm. He didn't know the difference. But man, it eats away at me where now it's like, you know, I think about my dogs, they're 10 and eight, they're both Boston Terriers, they're both psychotic. So I, I feel like we've got some years left. But, you know, I, I think about their final day, I already I'm not prepared for it. And no, no, and you never will be. There's no such thing as prepared for it. <laughs> no. And but I mean, you know, like the service you guys, you know, you provide it's so important for the people who think about like what I went through with boots. And I I mean, I really still regret it to this day. That's how his life ended and he deserved better. And he will, he doesn't know the difference, but for me, it just felt like this impersonal cold goodbye. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there were a lot of people doing what you do back then. There were some, but, but no, you're right. It wasn't as common as it is now. And, and I, I think it's, you know, it's hard. I, I, after talking to thousands of clients over the years, I have found that it really doesn't matter how it goes down. 
everyone has regrets. And, you know, I, I'll tell people, they'll call me and I'll say, look, you know, they'll say, I just want him to curl up in his bed and pass away in his sleep. And I say, everybody wants that. But I'm going to tell you two things about that. One, it rarely happens. It does happen, but it usually doesn't. Usually either there's an emergency or a crisis or you come home and find them and you know for sure that it wasn't a peaceful passing. And two, I will tell you that I have had clients who say that they came home or they woke up or they found their pet curled up in their bed, passed away peacefully, and they were miserable because they weren't there for their last seconds and they they didn't it didn't go down the way they wanted. So I think we're just hardwired when we lose something that we care about this much to just feel bad about it, no matter how it goes down. And so that's been really eye-opening for me. And and the other thing that that I've I found too with with COVID is, you know, there and I know you know this being with Whisker Cloud, that that there was an awful lot of articles and photos and posts and things about people who drop their pets off at the vet and how horrible they are and what bad people they are and how could you ever leave your pet at this time and drop them off somewhere. And a lot of the people that were saying these things were in the veterinary profession. And now we've made it a requirement and it is messing people up big time because they, they've they been taught now that only bad people do this. And and I actually wrote a rebuttal to that saying that I, I try to support people who have to drop their pets off. You know, people say there's no excuse for that. Yes, there is. There, there's an excuse for just about everything in the world. So, you know, some people that is just not the the best thing for them or for their pet. And that's okay. But we've kind of turned the tables on people. And now in a lot of places, you're forced to drop your pet off if you want to be at the vet for euthanasia or you have to be. And so it's really caused a lot of angst and upset amongst people. And, you know, they come to me all frantic. I can't be with my baby at the end. And, you know, I mean, we're eight months into this. This is old hat for me, but for the people that, you know, their pets have been relatively healthy and they've been avoiding going to the vet, like this is a whole brand new world for them. And so that, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of vets are starting to let like one person in for euthanasia and that kind of stuff. But I, I feel like, people are just so confused and upset and and it's you know the the climate of the world is so bad right now with with covid and politics and social media and everything that's going on and that this is just one more thing they don't need and and to have you know have an experience I mean, like you know you had talked about about boots and and how it was on a cold metal table and and you know now they don't even know how it is they just know they hand over their pet and then they're gone it's really interesting and heartbreaking to watch how this is all playing out. And I'm hoping that if this ever (laughs) becomes controllable and we go back to somewhat normal, that we'll remember the boundaries that we set and how it made everybody feel and maybe have a little bit more compassion on both sides for how this goes down. But yeah, it's just so hard. Come out of all of this, better vet teams and better clients. Well, and you left private practice because of clients and you've and you've talked about it a little bit. I obviously run a company that has a full reputation management team and the reviews we get are often horrific and upset, upsetting even for us to read. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to ask you a question because I say this to everyone, but you are one of the few people that can honestly answer this. I talk to a lot of vets, especially some that get more bad reviews than others. And And they're like, you know, why do people treat vets this bad? I tell them, I don't think people treat vets well, but I got to tell you something. I think no matter what business you're in, everyone gets treated poorly. So since you can prove this for us, 
what's the nicest way of saying this? Like who's <laughs> crazier veterinary clients or chiropractor clients? Do you guys share war stories at home? Oh, geez. <laughs> no, you know, the, the thing about my husband is that he is, he's like a, a golden retriever. You know, he's just somebody that like walks into a room and he's like, oh my gosh, look at all the potential friends. And I'm like, I walk into a room and I'm like, oh my gosh, where can I hide for a few minutes until I can get used to the, you know, like I'm like a fish in an aquarium. Like you need to float me in the, in the environment for a little bit and not expose me to anything and then slowly acclimate me to my new, my new climate. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he just loves people and he's such an extrovert and, and he's had a few like, but I think he could probably count them on both his hands at most of clients that he really just did not get along with and were, were really difficult. Mostly he, you know, he would come home and he'd be like, oh, I had the best people today. And I was like, oh, just shut up. You know, like, <laughs> I don't want to hear about you and your best people today. No, mostly he brings home funny stories about uh, how people pronounce things. That's our big bonding thing over work is great um, mispronunciations of, of medical terms. And, and that's, that's kind of, you know, our, our chuckle, we, we enjoy it. And, uh, and I'm sure there are plenty of areas where I couldn't pronounce things to save my soul, but, you know, cool medical things. And I think I, I have the best one. We had a client that said he wanted to bring his dog in to get a prescription for trifolicin. And he meant trifaxis. <laughs> and I was like, trifle, I came home and I was like, I have won this argument until the end of time. And, and Derek said, what are you talking about? I said, I had a client call trifexus trifolicin and he was like yeah you win <laughs> so, so yeah I, you know we I, I don't think it's a matter of crazy clients um I think it's people in a stressful situation who aren't handling it well and and yes there are mean people there are hateful people out there but I know the clients that I see are somebody's crazy client I I know that they are but, you know, I, I, I kind of think of all my clients as like feral cats. They're all terrified and ready to lash out to protect themselves. And so I kind of, I approach it very gently and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I keep very calm. If they get jacked up about something, I typically don't respond. I, I keep my voice level and, you know, I empathize with them. I use all the tools that I was unable to use in private practice because it, I was so overwhelmed with how many people I had to deal with and how many people were upset. And, you know, they just respond to that in most cases. I mean, I had a client hang up in my ear today and you know what? I didn't take it personally. I couldn't help their pet. Um, I don't do surgery and they were frustrated. And when I said, I don't do surgery, I'm so sorry. We only do home euthanasia. They hung up on me. And then I texted them and said, if you're looking for help with surgery, here are some, you know, here are some, some resources for you because I know they're not mad at me. They don't even know me, but I try to help as much as I can. And if, you know, if, if people are really nasty or abusive, I won't put up with that. But for the most part, I find that, that people are just frustrated and scared and feel like they have nowhere to turn and they don't understand what's going on. And God knows I have not been the peachiest person to deal with during this whole COVID thing. I mean, you know, apparently the way I deal with a worldwide pandemic is, is to be enraged all the time. So I can, I get it. You know, I've been lashing out for eight months, so I, I can totally understand it. And so it's much easier for me dealing with fewer clients, but giving more of myself than, than to see so many in a day and be so overwhelmed and, you know, so peopled out by the end of the day. Wow. Yeah. I'm really glad you have that outlook. And you know, what's funny. It's like, 
what we did we just hired four new people in fact i think number five is coming in about an hour so that's <laughs> the funny thing is when we uh when we do that i mean in their first week i i really sit them down with me and some of our other department heads and i say look we're gonna get 200 emails a day from these people and a lot of them uh most of them are gonna say hey happy Tuesday, happy Friday. You know, we're looking to do this. Can you guys help? Here's what you need. Let us know what we can help with. And that's great. And then, you know, 10% of the emails, you're going to get an email at 7, 15 PM that says change the photo. And you'll have no idea what photo, what to do. (laughs) And you'll respond and say, hi, you know, I hope you're having a great day. You know, can you just give me some more information? And they'll respond with, why is this so difficult? And and I remind them, (laughs) I say, you know, you're sitting there working at home. And, you know, you know, when clients yell at you, it's typically over email. I said for them, they're on the front lines in a scary situation. They, they have lives in their hands. They have to watch life and death every day. They have to tell someone that the puppy has parvo or that the eight-year-old dog has cancer. And, you know, they go through that stuff on a day, day-to-day basis. And, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen to someone here is they're going to say, idiot, I wanted that green on my website to be a little darker. How, how hard was that? So I, <laughs> I try to remind our team here that like, you know, we're, we have to be compassionate with our clients sort of no matter how upset they get about things or no matter how, you know, we get a lot of like, you know, Hey, we just let go of this person. We want them off our site right now. This is an emergency in 10 minutes later. There's a follow-up. Hi, they're still there. It's like, take a breath. People are still going to come see you. No one cares that the, the kennel attendant no longer works there. Them being on your website, isn't stopping you from running your business all day. But (laughs) like what you were talking about, I was in the post office uh, Friday of last week. And I was, it was literally like 10 minutes before closing and I walked in and I was working with someone. There's three people at the desk sort of taking people's mail and packages. You know, I have my mask on, they had their mask on and pretty older woman. I would guess, you know, she was, you know, I mean, how to walk her. And I was, I remember thinking like, wow, good for her. She's out. There's a pandemic. She's got a you know, handful of mail. And, you know, she said to the other woman, she said, you know, she's trying to talk there's obviously there's masks, there's like a big plastic divider up. And she was just being so rude to her. I can't hear you. Why, why do we have to wear these stupid masks? And she's going on and on. And she goes, I don't like you. I'm going to go wait for her. Well, her was the woman that was helping me and she's young and she's nice. And and I could see it like the look in her eyes. She was like, Oh shit. (laughs) And I like leaned over the desk a little bit. And I said, I said, you guys are closed this weekend, right? She said, yeah. I said, okay. So it's 4.56. I said, I just, I said, you don't know me, but I'm just going to give you some advice. You're about to have three probably rough minutes, but in your head, just know this is three rough minutes. And then the weekend's here, you can relax. And, and she was like, oh, I know. She goes, trust me, that's not even a 10th as bad as what we get, you know, 50 times a day in here. I said, I know, but I, I watched the look in your eye when she, you know, <laughs> she, she was behind me. I said, you probably don't care that I'm telling you this, but just compartmentalize this. This is three minutes. It's going to suck. And then you're going to have a great weekend. And she was like, well, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. And then I left and I like turned around and looked at her and I went, good luck. So like, so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, our, our vets are getting, you know, even the negative reviews. I mean, our team probably responds to and works on about, I don't know, 300 to a thousand reviews a day. That is not even an overestimate. I mean, we've got clients around the world and, and we have noticed the reviews getting 
much harsher during COVID, which I know what my veterinary team is doing. I, I love them. I'm like, I can't believe you guys are doing this. This sucks. And, you know, on the hot days over the summer and walking outside to the curbside and, you know, not every hospital on earth has like a perfect curbside entry. And it's like the easiest thing to walk in the door and make your life easy. You know, some of these hospitals, it's a little bit of a struggle and some logistics and, you know, we've helped them with like curbside check-in forms and things like that, but it's been tough. So I, I, I hope there's more compassion out there for the people that take care of your animals. I think about it like the waiter or waitress. I don't want my food spit in. I want them to treat my food like the best they've ever treated anyone. I also want my veterinary team to give that little extra attention to Sophie Baxter and Nala because of how cool I am. So I hope people <laughs> are going to remember that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm hoping that because of COVID, you know, I'm, I've am i been so proud of all of our vet teams for immediately like having the courage to set boundaries and to say no, and to lock the door if people didn't pay attention to the signs and, and, and to really do that and to know that they they can do that. We've been so bad about setting boundaries and about, you know, taking care of our teams. And now, and I know it's not happening everywhere, but there's a lot of of people taking care of their team first. And even if it's for selfish reasons that we don't want to have to shut our practice down or, or whatever. But I also know that there's a lot of, you know, kind of locked up with toxicity, both at home and, and at work for a lot of people. And I'm just hoping that we can take some good out of this and and learn to say no and set boundaries or, you know, leave that job that's that's abusive and and unpleasant and you know and find a team that's that's good and do what's good for us. You know, I had to I had to really pare down in the beginning with COVID because I I really had a, a hard time with this whole thing. And, you know, when I was going into people's houses, like we only saw so many appointments a day. I came home and changed my clothes and changed my bag and bleached everything in between appointments. So we we, we saw, you know, our appointments very spaced out. And we're a little bit more lax now just because we know more and we know where our our danger lies. You know, I still change out my bag. I don't necessarily change all my clothes. You know, if the clients are wiping their face with my clothes, we got way more problems um, than, than I know what to deal with. But I'm hoping that we can take the good things that we've found with this and maybe turn it into a, you know, a way to, to make the vet profession more sustainable. Because I just, I feel like the way that you know, everybody's working themselves to death is, is gonna, gonna bite us in the butt if it hasn't already. And I can just see the overflow, you know, the private practices are setting limits. So it's overflowing to the the ERs who are setting limits, which means they have six to eight hour wait times or more, uh, or they're telling people they can't come in. And then that's overflowing into our neck of the woods, because then we're trying to help people with home euthanasias and hospice care to, to try to alleviate some of that burden. And it's just, Hopefully we're going to get a breather at some point because I think everybody desperately, desperately needs one. Well, that leads me to my final question for you. And I see you post about self-care a lot on Facebook and online. So, you know, what are you doing for self-care? What do you recommend for veterinary professionals out there listening? What do you also recommend for tech CEOs who also need some good advice I'm like not the model citizen right now for this. I'm still trying to figure it out as much as everyone else. I vacillate back and forth. You know, I feel like I just want to lay around on my day off. I don't want to do anything. But when I do that, I find that I'm on my phone doom scrolling, which does not help my my mental health at all. And so I have to kind of strike this balance of being 
being busy enough that I'm doing things that I enjoy and I can't, I don't have time to spend with my phone and also resting, but I'm, I'm giving myself a break in a lot of places. Like our COVID diet has not been our normal diet. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm eating all kinds of things I don't normally eat and I'm not stressing about it too much. You know, I'm, I'm taking Benadryl at night to help me sleep, which I had not had to do in a really long time. But, you know, for a while there, sleeping um, was so it was so much more important than trying to do it all naturally. So, you know, I, now that things are are kind of settled down, at least in my in my brain, you know, I'm not as as stressed out and, and anxious as I was at the beginning of this whole thing. Now I'm trying to kind of pull all that back and, you know, get my diet back under control. Uh, luckily, we've been exercising a ton. Um, that always helps me. But just, you know, forgiving myself and not being so hard on myself and not demanding as much. And, you know, if I don't feel like seeing an extra emergency appointment and trying to squeeze that in, I'm just kind of learning my limits. You know, if if I see more than, than the m- number of appointments that I, I normally see in a day, I just find that I'm super stressed out and I'm exhausted and I can barely stay awake to write my records. So I don't do that as much. And then every now and then I forget and then I have to, you know, kick myself in the butt and go, you see how miserable you are tonight? Don't do that to yourself tomorrow. But it's, you know, it's just, it's ever evolving. And I, you know, I want to, I want to do the best I can with what I have to work with. And some days that's, that's a lot. And some days it's, it's not so much. So if I feel like I, I messed up a weekend, not doing, you know, what I should be doing. And I ended up on my phone laying around on the couch, feeling miserable. I try not to beat myself up so much about that. And, you know, just remember that I can maybe try again tomorrow and, and do better. Right now I'm, I'm struggling with, I'm the happiest when I'm working because I'm busy and I don't have a lot of time for my phone. But the other thing that I've really noticed helps me, and it sucks, but connection with other people. And I, you know, I'm an introvert. I stay home. I don't like talking on the phone. But I find that when I, you know, meet with people like you over Zoom or, you know, uh, went to the IAHPC conference virtually and we had like these campfire chats where we all got in a room and a Zoom room and just kind of talked to each other like we were in person at the conference, it, that did so much for my soul. So I'm trying to do socially distanced, like meeting a friend at the park um, to sit on, you know, far apart benches and eat lunch or just sit and talk with masks on and try to spend some quality time with people I care about. We just canoed the Hillsborough River for the first time since New Year's. And um, there were six of us. And of course, we're all in separate boats. So everybody stayed six feet apart and it was very safe and socially distanced. And we had the best time. And that has just filled me up so much. So I, I think my my most important self-care is to actually just be mindful of what I'm doing and what makes me feel good and what makes me feel bad and try to do more of the former and less of the latter and to be you know as gentle with myself as I'm trying to be with everyone else and and have a little compassion that I'm just not I'm not there is no right way to do this and I'm not going to get it right I just I've just got to do the best that I can and you know that's not super satisfying but uh, we're we're getting there and you know when I spend the day fiddling around with all my aquariums and you know spilling water all over my floor and making a mess and I'm just super happy doing that so I'm trying to do more of the things that that really make me feel filled up and better. And whether that's a nap or washing my car or going for a bike ride, you know, whatever suits me that day, but trying to stay, stay the hell off my phone is, uh, is gonna, I think, do me more good than anything else. (laughs) I'm with you. Yeah, this, you know, and and here I am, I already work, 
you know, a lot. Now I wake up at four every day. No alarm clock. It's just when I wake up, mm-hmm. I, I'm in my home office by like 410. I'm, you know, I'm working. I, you know, I go walk the dogs and then I'm, I'm work. you know, I work, I walk the dogs at lunch. I work my, my wife, she works from home a couple days a week. We go take the dogs for like a nice long walk down at the beach for like an hour at about 430 every day. And then we come home, we make dinner, we ride the Peloton or we work out and then, you know, we eat and we relax, we watch TV. And then, yeah, it's, you know, I come back to the home office downstairs and I, and I work till 11. I'm with you the sleeping. Cause I do, I sit in bed before and I scroll through Twitter and uh, I, and I, and I just get myself so pissed. And yep. then I'm sitting there at 1145, my blood is boiling and I'm yeah. like, what the <laughs> hell am I doing? Why do I read this shit? Yeah. And then you're beating yourself up, which doesn't help things at all. And one of the things that's helped me is like when I'm feeling anxious is to out loud, even if I need to just say, okay, why am I anxious? What am I anxious about? Cause it's usually only one or two things, but then it gets me jacked up about the whole damn day. And I'm like, you know, I'm worried about seeing this one hospice client. Cause I'm not really sure what's going on. And I'm, I'm hoping that there's not any unpleasant surprises or the client's a little edgy and I'm just worried that I'm not going to make them happy. And then, you know, this is going to be a problem. So I try to identify what things are stressing me out or what I'm, what I'm anxious about just so that I know what I'm, what I'm coming up on and just try not to take on so much, but work, you know, I just, I find this work so exciting and it's not good for me to work all the time, no matter how happy it makes me. So I just got to, got to get back to the the things that I really I really like doing and and try to try to do those but man the the having the home office thing is just you know it's always that temptation um if I don't find myself just suddenly in my office software working I'll find myself and I'm on Facebook and I don't even know why I'm like I, I just I just turned this off why am I on Facebook again and it, you know <laughs> it's a really hard habit to break and and to try to be mindful of it is, is difficult. So, you know, it's a, it's a struggle. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not killing this thing. It's like, it is just, I am just over it. I'm with everybody. I'm like, I'm a freak about wearing masks. I'm, I'm very, very careful. You know, I'm very much attuned to the the science and reading articles. And, you know, luckily I have somebody that I know who's, who's just all up in, COVID and everything in the virology world. And so that's a trusted source for me that I can, you know, read what she posts and and that helps me. But I've had to narrow it down too, to what can I control? So what's making me anxious and what can I control? And the only thing I can control most of the time is me. And that's lousy, but like, it's the key to happiness. And, and so it's like, okay, like I can't control the fact that this dude in the grocery store isn't wearing a mask and he's coughing on stuff. I can control whether I walk down this aisle right now. So I'm going to turn around and walk away and I'm going to make all kinds of nasty faces under my mask because nobody can tell. And I'm going to mouth curse words at him and he won't know it. And then I'm going to go on another aisle and breathe and calm myself down. And so, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing that you like, okay, I don't have any control over the fact that my parents eat in restaurants and it really drives me crazy because I know that that's not a safe thing to be doing. And, and, you know, it's like one of the things they're like, please, for the love of God, if you just don't do anything else, don't go into a restaurant and take your mask off. And, you know, they're, they're doing that. And I don't, I can't do anything about that. So what I can control is how often do I see them and I'm under what circumstances. And, you know, if I choose to hang out with them without wearing a mask, I know that I'm taking a risk and, and that's fine, but it's, 
you know, this is something like the whole world is out of control right now. Like I, I can't control what's happening in politics. So I voted and that was my control. That was all that I could do at this point is encourage others to vote and vote. And, you know, I'm not up for helping out with elections and that's not my thing. So somebody else can do that if they want to do that, but I, I could vote. And so I did that. And, and that's, that helps. It's just like reining my brain in from all the chaos and the crazy, like the fire hose of chaos that you're talking about. If I truly was the fire hose of calm, it seems like those two forces would, you know, eventually balance each other out. But uh, apparently my calm fire hose disappears when the chaos comes for me. (laughs) Well, and just so everyone's listening, you know, people have been kind of gross and coughing on stuff in uh, grocery stores well before COVID. This is just sort of like amplifying it when you're out and about. And yeah, I mean, we've heard the stories from the uh, from some of our hospitals where, you know, they say, hey, can you put on a mask? And the person starts coughing on the vet techs that are coming out or the vet assistants. It's like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, I've had clients enter the door without a mask. And I'll like, I'm like, I'll, I'll wait if you want to go ahead and put your mask on. And, you know, and I've caught a few people like kind of give me a little bit of the stink eye, but I'm like, it's okay with me. Like I can, I can go back to the car. <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs> well, you, and not only do you do like the in-home euthanasia stuff, you do public speaking. So for anyone listening that thought to themselves, well, she's really interesting. I want to follow her and learn more. Where can they follow you? What do you got going on? What's coming up next? All of that fun stuff. So um, you can find me at a happyvet.com, which seems so ironic now because uh, this happy vet hasn't been <laughs> super happy for like eight months now. <laughs> and I I have that is kind of backburdered a little bit since Helping Hands has exploded all over everything. I'm trying to like deal with that mostly. And because conferences have been canceled and things, I've been doing some virtual, like I spoke at IAHPC this month and I've had a few things that I'm doing. I'm scheduled to speak at a few conferences next year. Uh, we will see what COVID has to say about that. Um, I, I think the most, the, the soonest one that I'm doing is supposedly is in March, uh, the FVMA conference. And then um, I'm scheduled to speak out in Texas in September, but uh, God only knows what the what the world will be like then. But yeah, so at a happyvet.com and and mostly I'm just trying to post encouraging stuff and to let people know that they're not alone and that, and please God, don't come to my website thinking I've got my shit together and you're going to figure things out because I'm going to tell you how to do this. Uh, that's not how this works. I just, I'm a flawed human being who, who is very curious about how things work. And when I figure out things that help me, I'm happy to share those. I don't expect them to work for everyone, but a lot of people have, have come to me and said, Hey, you know what, what you said was super helpful. I think it's, it's all well and good to tell someone exactly how they should communicate and exactly how they should do all of these things, but that doesn't make it easy. And communication is hard and confronting people is hard and setting boundaries is hard. And so I mostly just try to kind of give life hacks for for helping you navigate these things if you're not perfect at it and you haven't, you know, taken a million courses to teach you how to how to communicate perfectly. I remember when I got divorced, I was in therapy and and the therapist told me, she's like, look, we're going to we're going to do this thing. She said, but I'm going to tell you right now that what you learn in here is going to make you mad at other people because they don't know how to communicate and you have the tools to know how to communicate, but they're going to, they're going to mess with you and not communicate properly back. You know, you're going to phrase things in non-hurtful ways, and then they're going to say things to hurt you. And I was like, well, you're making this sound like a whole lot of fun. (laughs) Sign me up. Let's do it. And so I learned an awful lot there and it was very helpful to me, but still, you know, there were just, there's just things that 
I know from being in vet med and, and I know from having anxiety that have helped me navigate this whole mess. Um, and so if I can tell you how I screwed up or what helped me when I was feeling terrible, then I'm happy to share those things. I mean, I'm certainly not qualified to counsel anyone or be a mental health professional. There are plenty of excellent mental health professionals out there who who need to be doing that. But I know I know vet medicine and I, and I know how it is when you don't fit into vet medicine the way that everyone thinks that you should. And so from the nerdy, you know, outcast, I like to kind of you know, <laughs> give that that to other people and just say, hey, you know what, if this isn't working for you, maybe you should consider that that's not a failure, that it's just that you're meant to do something a little different. And it's just been great, I, you know, compared to how I was 20 years ago, when I graduated, I'm, I'm so much happier and well adjusted and, you know, and safe. So I, I feel like if, if I can help anybody get a little bit happier and healthier than then that's all I need. I love it. This was awesome. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being here. Everyone go follow a happy vet. That's the same happy vet that is cursing behind her mask like the rest of us are doing. (laughs) And I wouldn't want you any other way. And, you know, for those of you out there listening, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all of that stuff. Five-star reviews, please. And uh, Shree, this was amazing as always. I look forward to catching up soon. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm excited about your podcast. Thank you. Well, have a great rest of your day. You too.